Hey guys, welcome to the Boning Soul Podcast. Thanks again, uh, thanks again for joining me. So in this episode, we talked to a guy by the name of Shan Mendreer. He is an active duty military. He hunts uh, in the you know in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, and uh, we get into all kinds of stuff in this one. Uh, just how the military, uh, you know, keeps him moving, and uh, you know th- things that. I guess not get in the way, or but how it kind of affects his his hunting, and uh, uh, you know we normally talk about with other people, with everybody we talk to, normally it's like, okay, well, you know, where do you live? What do you do? And, you know, how much free time do you have with whatever occupation you have to, to pursue other interests, like, like our interest in, in hunting. We don't normally talk about anybody in the military. It's kind of a first. So that was, that was kind of a really, a really cool perspective. We talk about how he grew up hunting and, um, just as history and, and, and that kind of stuff. So he's got a lot of stuff out there. Uh, he's on Instagram. Again, it's a military uh, military bow hunter. Um, you know, he's got a YouTube channel. We're, we'll, we get into all that kind of stuff with with all the content that he's doing. So this is a really, really, really cool episode. Super nice guy. And I believe um, since our conversation here, because it's October 25th, and we recorded this a few weeks ago, uh, he has had success. He's had success with getting some deer on the ground. So um, that, obviously, we don't get to talk about, but you can go check out his Instagram and um, I'd see all that kind of stuff. So um, anyway, getting back to a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Like I said, it's October 25th. Um, I am animalless still, and uh, it, it's looking pretty bleak for me. I know I keep saying this where I, I don't, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to get out or not. My schedule keeps changing like crazy. And um, I was lucky to be able to get out for about a week's worth of hunting, but not all day. Um, my uh, my, my my trip that I was going to go on, a couple of them actually kind of got canceled and or and or postponed. We just have like weird schedules here in, the, in, in, in my job. So I was actually home and my wife and daughter were due to go to Florida to Disney to go to Disney and then visit some friends. So not last week, but the week before, I think the week of the, I don't know, 12th 7th through the 17th, something like that. Um, I was actually not supposed to be home. But I was home. So I got home on a Saturday night and my wife and daughter actually had left a few hours before. So we <clears throat> we, we overlapped by, by a bit. So basically I was home and I was a bachelor for about a week. And uh, all day that next Sunday, the following Sunday, I was out. Um, no deer. Basically all I've seen so far is... Um, just one deer about 30, 35 yards away, trotting away kind of fast. It was a, it was a smallish doe, no shot whatsoever. Even, you know, even with, with a compound, if I had taken one, I was, you know, I've been, I've been mostly out with my, with my recurves. And, um, anyway, that's just kind of the synopsis, but I was out all day on that Sunday, uh, saw nothing. Uh, it's gotten cold here, by the way, it's, it's snowing, you know, it's, there's snow on the ground. Uh, it's crazy, but, uh, there wasn't when I, when I was, when I was hunting. So, um, but it did get cold. So I was out all day sat, uh, all day that Sunday, saw nothing. Uh, and I'm trying different areas. I'm trying to areas that I've been to before in previous years, but, um, I'm going to get to get to some issues here with, with some of these. Uh, I went out every night, uh, after work, sometimes in the mornings too, a little bit, um, for, you know, a couple hours after work every night, except for one night when it was just crazy, crazy windy. And like the, the trees are bending over like sideways, 45 mile an hour winds. I wasn't going out in that. But I was out every day, uh, saw nothing. I took that Friday as a PTO day, as a vacation day from work, and I was out all day Friday, saw nothing. I was out waterfowl hunting uh, on the, the next Saturday, and uh, I missed a duck, 
which I don't know how I missed the duck. We didn't have a lot of activity. Only only a couple flocks came in, and, and nothing really came in much. But I mean, I missed this one duck. Just I mean, it was a it was a chip shot. Not you know, we're still I'm still being teased about it, but whatever. It was fun getting out, you know, do a little bo waterfowl hunting, but. Um, and then that afternoon I'm like, well, you know, I got all the family, uh, you know, house chores done and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go out again. Cause my, my, uh, my family wasn't due to fly in until like midnight Saturday night or something like that. So I went out again. Now what I've found out this whole, this whole season so far is there's a lot more hunters out there. And I'm not saying these to be excuses. I'm just saying it's it's stuff that I got to adapt to. There's more hunters out there. I was out. Uh, I don't know if you followed any of the Instagram stories I put out there. Um, uh, you know, one time I was out. I mean, and I'm thinking I'm in areas where no one's going to come by. And then here comes Elmer Fudd, literally with the Elmer Fudd, like flap, flap down ear thing, you know, kind of traipsing through. Oh, great. Another time I was in, um, it wasn't crazy deep. It was about a mile, but it was in an area that, you know, I, I go in and I'm like, oh shit, there's a tree stand. And I keep going in and I'm trying to get away from, you know, what, what people have left out there. And I'm all set up. I'm in my saddle and I see two guys like come by, you know, and I, I ranged them at 143 yards. I had my rangefinder with me and I waved at them from the tree. They waved back. They acknowledged I was there and then they still kept climbing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And it turns out there was like three of them total or three or four of them total. Uh, they were just, you know, farther down where I couldn't see the other guys. So basically I'm just running into people, running into people and I'm seeing some sign but I'm not seeing crazy sign. I'm not seeing crazy fresh sign. There's only I've only seen like you know deer poop, you know some fresh ones here and there. I've got some places where um, I think I'd like to set up, but uh, I mean I've seen a grand total of zero rubs. Now I don't really care about antlers, you know that. I don't I don't really you know care about that. But it's just it's just an, an indication of of deer in general. You know, um, I'm just. I'm not seeing it. It's, it's, I don't know whether there's a lot more pressure this year. It seems like there's more hunters out there this year. And it's just a little bit frustrating because I really, really wanted to get it done in that week that um, my wife and daughter were gone because honestly, again, because of our work schedules and overlapping and, you know, my, my wife's pretty much working overnight. Um, there's no way, you know, with an eight-year-old daughter that, you know, you, you can't leave someone at home and go hunting in the morning, you know, when no one's at home, obviously you can't do that. And, you know, evenings, uh, same deal, you know, um, after, you know, my wife works all morning or all night through the night, whatever morning that she's got to be, you know, a mom, a teacher, you know, depending on, on, on the day, if, if my daughter's home from school or not you know, distance learning and that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it, it's tough to, you know, they're, they're just all exhausted. She's exhausted. So I, I can't exactly be like, Oh, I'm going to go hunt for, you know, a few hours, like every night till I get something down. But, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just the COVID craziness this year. Um, you know, it's just, it's just the way it's this, everything is kind of worked out as far as scheduling and everyone, you know, family schedules and, and, and more people and that kind of stuff. So I'm just going to kind of roll with it. Honestly, I know I've said this before. I really don't know when I'm going to get back out again. Um, it's just going to get crazier and crazier, uh, for my wife's work schedule from here on through the, you know, through basically, you know, through Christmas, um, family time, same deal. I'm going to be gone a bunch again. I'm going to be gone, you know, first, you know, first week in November, second weekend in November. And I'm gone for, I'm not just gone just, just a couple days. I'm gone for like four or five days at a time. So 
I don't know. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to go rifle. You know, just my, my typical one day that I go up to um, a buddy's place. I don't even know if I'm able to be able to do that this year. Who knows? Um, maybe something will open up. Maybe something will happen. I don't know. I'm trying to keep a positive attitude, but it's just uh, it's just a little frustrating because I was really, really, really banking on trying to get something done and something down uh, the week that uh, they were gone because I was, you know, I had the time and now that's gone. So anyway, um, I, I, I keep seeing your guys' success stories. That's awesome. I, I, I'm genuinely happy for you guys. I'd like to, uh, uh, you know, see all that stuff. Um, shout out to, uh, to Schaefer, by the way, from Green Mountain Tradcast. He got a, uh, uh, he got a nice, uh, deer down and, uh, about, about a couple weeks ago, I believe. So, congratulations to him because he goes through like long dry spells because where he's at there's not a ton of deer so um yeah a lot of people are having success and and um i'm i'm, I'm enjoying seeing these pictures i'm, I'm, I'm vicariously living through videos and, and that kind of stuff so um anyway that's kind of uh that's kind of a wrap up i really appreciate you guys tuning in uh i really appreciate you guys' support again uh, check out the uh, the youtube channel um, lots of videos on there. I've added a couple more videos on knots and how to tie like a bridge and that kind of stuff. And uh, again, click on those links. Click the little drop down in the in the description whenever you see it. This little arrow, and I've got all kinds of Amazon links in there. And if you go through there and you buy anything on Amazon, then I get um, a little bit of a commission. Um, again, it's not much. I'm, I'm talking like you know, it was. I think I'm up to like, I don't know, 12 bucks this year or something like that. But any little, any, any little, uh, or this month rather, any little thing kind of helps. So, and it's, especially since we're heading into holiday season, you guys are going to be doing a lot of shopping. Um, I would really, really appreciate it if you go through any one of those links and then buy whatever it is that you're going to buy. It doesn't cost you a dime. You still get to use Prime, all that stuff. It's just, you know, the fact that you went through my link, then, um, <clears throat> then I get a commission. So, uh, obviously I don't do Patreon. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. So that's the only kind of way that, uh, if you guys want to support, then it's really appreciated. Also, uh, the Teespring, uh, t-shirts, I've got t-shirts out there and long sleeves and things like that. Uh, go check on the Instagram. It's in the link. Uh, you know, when I say link in bio, go click in that link and there's a, it's something called link tree. It just takes you like a page and you got, you can link to the, the podcast, you can link to the YouTube channel, you can link to the Teespring site and it goes uh, right there and you, you can choose from, um, some t-shirts and stuff. So anyway, I've, uh, rambled on for over, you know, almost 11 minutes here. So I apologize for that. So, uh, without any further ado, please enjoy this episode with Shan Mendreer. Recording and then we'll be recording. There we go. Cool. Shan, how's it going? Hey, Camera, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for doing this again. Uh, yet again, this is like one of those like last minute. Hey, can you like all of a sudden download Skype and try to figure out and <laughs> try, try to get a conversation in late at night? And uh, you, you you pulled it off. Actually, we connected a lot quicker than 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 most of the times we've been I've been trying to connect with people. So we got that going for us. Hey, that's good, man. Yeah, I consider myself a very terrible millennial, so I'm pretty proud <laughs> I got this going. Well, I mean, everyone's on Zoom now, right? So, um, and, and, and I've used that before, but everyone's on Zoom. So, you're, you know, you're like, hey, do you have Skype? And they're like, uh, I might have it on my wife's old, like, three laptops ago. I might be able to dig it out and dust it off. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't it's, know what that is, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It seems to work. So, okay. So, Shan Mendreer. Shan, short for Shannon, by the way. No, no. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. My dad is from India, actually, 
and uh, Shan is a shortening of an Indian name. So, but yeah, a lot of people ask me if it's like Shane or Shannon or something like that. But yeah, it's just just S H A N. Really, I had no idea. Yep, yep. That's pretty cool. Um, did you? Uh, so, where where do you live right now? Where where are you from? Uh, so originally, I'm from San Diego, California, uh, and then I ended up going to school on the East Coast, college on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Down in Lejeune for a little while. Uh, and then I was up in Maryland, in Virginia, and right now I'm in Quantico, Virginia, so like northern Virginia area. Okay, now are you are you in the military right now? Yep. Yeah, I'm an active duty Marine. Well, yeah. Thank you. That's uh, I think you're like the first Marine we've had on here, so <laughs> mad respect. That's pretty good. Cool. How are you? Uh, how long have you been in? Uh, what? So I've been active duty for seven years now. Oh wow, quite a while. A lot. Yeah. You look like a younger younger guy than than seven years uh, in the military would would indicate. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 29, coming up on 29 here. So. Ah, cool. So you moved out there for uh, school, and then you joined the military, and then you're you're kind of stationed out there right now. And uh, so, San Diego, right? Did you say San Diego? Oh, well, yeah, San Diego. So. Probably not a ton of hunting out there, right? Is that where where were you first like introduced to hunting, and and how did you get into archery? Yeah, so um, definitely not a lot of hunting going on in that area, or at least what I knew of at the time. Uh, but uh, my dad, so to rewind, my dad came from India, and his family hunted over there. One of like the few like hunting traditional families that you know that did it back there, and so he brought that over with him. And uh, he raised me, you know, shooting air rifles in the backyard and shooting slingshots and whatever else I had. Very cool. Yeah. So he introduced me to gun hunting and we kind of got into bird hunting together. We used to quail hunt and dove hunt in San Diego. And it's funny because my one of my buddies had a compound and I was like, man, I want a bow so bad. But I didn't know the word for like a compound or traditional or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, t- I told my dad that I wanted a bow and he didn't know either. So I think when I was 10 years old, he got me a recurve for my birthday. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know any difference. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And started shooting that. And I've been shooting it ever since. So. So, you know, you went down the compound route. No, no. I've shot one a few times, uh, but I kind of just stuck with that because I, I liked it so much that I went from he got me like a little 30 pound recurve. And I think when I was 15 or something like that, I bought a 60-pound longbow. And then I used that for a little while. Uh, and then when I moved out to the East Coast, and I, I used to just shot, you know, shoot rabbits and squirrels and stuff yeah. back in California. And then when I moved out to the East Coast, I was like, oh, you can hunt deer out here. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I dove into that. And then that's kind of where I, my like bow hunting background started really coming from because i started diving into okay you know how do i figure out these whitetail what do you where do i go from here and how do i improve my setup um and i really so i really started getting into it probably 2010 2011 that's pretty cool so so you are like you are like a younger guy with an with an old soul it seems like you know i mean like right to the recurve right to you know that's uh that that's kind of cool so you um what, what, how old were you when you ended up moving like back east then did you did you kind of um well actually let me back up 
did you guys have a ton of success in, in, in California, hunting in California? Did you just stay in California when you were learning to shoot with your dad, or did you guys travel anywhere to, to do any of these, uh, you know? Yeah, so so then most of the hunting that I did was like, so we, we had five acres, uh, and then all around us, there's flower farms and auto back then was just squirrels and rabbits around the house and then any right. trip my dad and i took were always just bird hunts with shotguns uh, and i've kind of slowly gotten into it now but he never got into it as much as i did okay so then you took your passion with you then when you went back east right um were you still able to kind of you know hunt as much as you wanted while you were uh, you know, while you were in school or stuff, or did any of that take, take a backseat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, took a huge backseat. Uh, I went to the Naval Academy, Yep, which is, uh, it, it's got a very structured schedule and, uh, you're actually not allowed to have like any weapons on campus. I, that might be commensurate with all college campuses, but, um, I used to have this PVC pipe and I would unstring my longbow and stick it in the PVC pipe. And <laughs> I would get it off campus in this PVC pipe and like keep that in my closet. Uh, I didn't have a car or anything. So uh, there's a couple couple guys that really helped me out when I was over there, helped me get to some hunting spots. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was just mainly on Saturdays and Sundays and the rest of the week I was just doing homework. So nobody questioned you with this giant like <laughs> PVC pipe walking around? <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, I tried. I tried to do some deception tactics. I put uh, I put like Naval Academy stickers on it and stuff. And I guess they thought maybe it was like a lacrosse stick. I don't know. But, oh, yeah. It's kind of like those uh, dudes in the movies, like walking into a hotel with like a guitar case, you know. But there's like a you know AR-15 in there or something like that, you know, or like a takedown rifle or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. So like, even no, if even it did stop me and I opened it up, you know, it's like it's a stick with a string on it. So. It's not exactly your next 9-11 situation. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. So um, you, I guess you kind of um, hunted, hunted when you can. And uh, like, like what, are the, what, what are some of the, I, I, did you stick to Virginia? Did you stick to Maryland? Because they both have pretty, pretty good hunting. Um, where, where did, you know, you probably couldn't go out too far while you were in school and certainly not in the Naval Academy, you know, stuff like that. But uh, how far would you be able to travel to, to, to hunt? Yeah, so I, I was pretty restricted, especially not having a car. Once I was a, a senior, I had a car and I could get around a little more. But uh, most of the time, it was just wherever uh, Tony Goncalves was his name. And I actually met him through Trad Gang uh, back in the day. So that was back in like 2010. And we started shooting together. And he took me on my first couple hunts. Uh, and then another guy, Chris Wilder, who actually just saw last weekend, I met up with him and he kind of started to show me just like what white oaks are, what red oaks are. Hey, like, look for this in the woods. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of started me down the journey. But yeah, most most of it was right around there in the Annapolis area or traveling around Maryland within an hour. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I, I was in I lived in Delaware for a long time and um I don't really know the D.C. area very well or anything like that, but I mean, any of like the, the East Coast metropolitan areas, okay, uh, you know, to, to include, you know, Philadelphia and New Jersey and things like that, you'd be amazed. People would be amazed that you don't have to, you know, travel very far 
out of the city proper to be into some some, some pretty good hunting. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really hunting back then, so you know I can't tell you you know public land you know how much how much access there is or whatever in, in any of those in any of those states really, but. To, to my understanding, there's there's quite a bit, you know. Even in New York, you know, there's 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 not a ton that once you get out of the city, you know, within I'm told within like an hour, you know, sometimes maybe even less than an hour, you can be into some like pretty like out there like rural places where the hunting is just fantastic. The deer hunting is fantastic. Did you did you find that to be the case? Yeah, honestly, the more populated the areas, it seems like the more deer there are, and I'm sure you've seen that like Taylor Chamberlain guy. Mm-hmm. Is he the urban hunter? I think that's his yep. channel or something yep. like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the Maryland area, all the all the offshoots around DC there, th- there's a lot of deer. And it was a good place to learn because you could make a lot of mistakes and still rebound and find deer the next week. But uh, it, yeah, Maryland and Virginia are great. There's so many little WMAs, even if it's only like 200 acres, right. they're all over the place. And you can scroll through Maryland's DNR website. You know, there's probably... It's got to be like close to a hundred public land areas. Really? Um, yeah, they're opening up new ones every year. They just opened up one near Annapolis that I wish was open. I think it's like called Sandy Run State Park or something like that. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're just they're opening up new ones all the time, and it's it's good to see. So you mostly pretty much stuck to um, public land then, right? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. You probably saw my Instagram title. It's Military Bow Hunter, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of got born out of, you know, we, we pick up and move every couple of years. I get stationed somewhere new. And right. when, when you're doing something like that, you just can't build up that foundation or that friend network in the area. Um, you obviously don't have family in the area. So I'd say almost 100% of what I do is hunting on public land. And I've, I've come to really love that and love that challenge. Uh, and it's got, you know, blessings and curses. Yes, I wish I knew, you know, somebody who's got a 600 acre farm somewhere to hunt. Uh, but it's been really fun. I think it's helped out my woodsmanship a lot to have to move to new areas, scout new areas and just figure something out every Figure couple. it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, how old were you when you first had success with, uh, you know, let's let's say deer? Uh, man, how old was I? I? I think it was 2011. So it was like a year after I started deer hunting. Oh, pretty quick. Yeah, I got I got really lucky. Like I said, a uh, couple of those dudes from that I met from trap game really helped me out. And Chris Wilder, the guy I mentioned, he took me on a hunt one day, and he was like, "Hey, you know, go check out this area. I'm going down here. Look for the white oaks. They're dropping right now." And it mm-hmm. was, I think it was September 22nd, so two days from now uh, 2011 or 2012. And, uh, I just kind of worked down, worked down this ridge and there was a open field. So I figured, you know, they'd probably be moving out there in the evening. And I found this little stand of white oaks that was dropping a bunch of acorns. And so I set up back then I just had like a, I had this gorilla hang on stand that one of my buddies was like, Hey, if you want to go get it, it's been sitting up in this tree for like three years if you want to climb up there <laughs> yeah and go get it you can have it so i'm like game on you know so i brought my little like screw in steps and climbed up the street and got it got it down uh but i was using climbing sticks and a like a huge muddy hang-on stand that just like clanked together and was not right <laughs> it was pretty horrible 
Um, but I set up in this oak and I remember like a, a rainstorm passed through and then went away. And then right before last light, two bucks came feeding in and this guy kept feeding on acorns, kept quartering towards me and never gave me a shot. And then he worked almost under my stand. I'm like, well, if I don't shoot him now, he's definitely going to smell me. So I shot straight down through. It was a little bit of a track job, but uh, my buddy Chris helped me out. We finally got him. So, so, yeah, I'm not sure how old. I guess, what was that, 10, 8 years ago? It was like 8 years ago, so I was like 21, 22. Right. So that, so that, was, so that was your first year then. So you, you must have got like, what, one lung or something like that? or. Yeah, I, I honestly don't. I was like so ecstatic that I found him. We didn't do like a full autopsy on him. But yeah, right. he, I think he had like 400 yards and we, had, we were just tracking uh, little drops of blood. I never would have found him without my buddy Chris. So, Oh, so, wow. No, go, go ahead. Finish up. Oh, no. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, Chris. So okay, so 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 you find the deer, right? And, and I'm always curious about guys like who who you know find do, you know shoot their first animal, get it down, they walk up to it, then it's like okay, now what? Now you 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 had some hunting experience before, of, you know, probably field dressing game and stuff. But I mean, what was it like for you the first time? I mean, did you know what to do? Do you're like okay, do, do you kind of lean on your buddy to kind of help you out? Like okay, now what? Yeah, it's it's hilarious that you bring that up because. Yeah, I'd, I'd never gutted a big game animal before, so I, you know, you read about it, and my dad had these old, like, hunting and trapping books that I'd, like, read about, so I thought I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chris was there to kind of help me, walk me through the process, and uh, he, he likes to remember this story, but I was, I was gutting it, and got down towards, like, the bladder area between the legs, and I, <laughs> my knife stabbed right into the bladder, and oh. he shot out and hit me in the face oh, <laughs> Jesus! so he was like rolling laughing and you know i was so happy i, I really didn't care but i definitely got peed on uh, like welcome first... you got initiated exactly yeah so it was pretty funny that's uh that, that that's awesome and then after that i mean you're you're you're, you're pretty much hooked on it right i mean you're you seems like you're kind of ate up with it um so are you able to get out then like uh like every year or how, how often are you able to to do this because you said you know this was you know back in what 2010 um you know how, how's the how's the hunting been for you with 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 as busy as you are with uh you know the academy and the marines and all that stuff yeah so i i was like doing that it feels like i've hunted longer but uh from 2010 to now i think i've only hunted six seasons um maybe seven seasons uh if you count like half seasons but uh just yeah the workups and deployments usually cut into that which makes it tough uh and i think it feels like i've hunted longer just because i think about it so much like year round uh it's something that i think about and plan for and prep for 100 percent with you on that one yep yeah man and it's it's funny when you find it's you don't always find guys like that and i can tell you're a dude like that uh, and I have a couple buddies like that, that you're just, you know, there is no off season to where you're just totally at up with it all the time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I've hunted six and a half, seven seasons and usually, you know, workups, you'll go to, uh, like a DFT deployment for training or something like that for like a month. They'd be like, all right, boys, it's, uh, it's going to be November 1st to uh, December 2nd. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> 
just take me away right now man. yeah um but yeah and then right now you know i've had other fortunate times like right now i'm at a schoolhouse so i'm i'm locked into one area here in quantico for the next 10 months so i know that i'm going to be here i'm just going to school like monday through friday uh, so i'm kind of back to a normal routine okay do, do you ever know um just kind of a little side tangent here but do you ever know where you're going to be stationed next or do you get to like request and how much of a joke quote unquote is it like yeah haha the funny you know we, we got your request but you're really going here i mean how does that really work yeah um so it uh my first i i went through the naval academy i went to quantico which is the basic school uh and then i went through infantry officers course and uh I, I remember one, I wanted to go back to California just to be, cause I'd been on the East coast since 2009. Um, and it was, you know, 2014 at that point. So I kind of just wanted to go back, do a tour at home, uh, and then maybe come back after that. And, uh, I put California first. There's like two different bases in California. I tried to try to get first and then I tried to get like Hawaii. Uh, and then I put Camp Lejeune, which is North Carolina last and I got Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So <laughs> super disappointed. Uh, but now looking back, I'm, you know, I'm really happy because I got to hunt a lot down there. There's some awesome swamps and stuff. But yeah, it's um, you put in for what you want. But it's at the end of the day, it's the needs of the Marine Corps or the needs of whatever branch of service you're in. So you right. have going in. Our... Uh... Are, are the guys you you serve with, or at least you know, um, maybe even your like superiors or whatever, especially, are they are they hunters? So are they kind of like sympathetic to like when you say, hey, you know, um, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. I mean, I really don't know how the how, how the, um, the military works in, in that capacity anyway. So I, I may be completely like you know off left base here kind of thing. But um, do, do you you know? Do you get to like request, let's say, like uh, like longer, like longer weekends, longer leave, or certain weekends that okay, I really want to hunt this weekend, but I want to, you know, and you make it up by being on duty, you know, at, at another weekend, or are you just like on duty all the time? You know, how does that work? Uh, yeah, that's that's a hard question. It really just depends. Um, if you're in a workup for deployment, you're usually on a pretty strict schedule, and there's not a lot of things that you can miss. Because uh, there's obviously that like building block approach to step up before you deploy. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in a billet that is not as demanding or you're not deploying sometime soon, you can usually, you know, as long as you have good rapport with your boss, uh, you can usually get off early or, or take leave. Um, you accrue two and a half leave days a month. So, you know, if you had none starting out, you'd end up with what, you know, like close to 30 leave days for the year. Okay, uh, and you can take those when you want, really, as long as you're not missing like big training events. Okay, okay. yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. Man, it's got to be tough, you know. Like I said, I uh, you're like the first guy in the military that I, that I've talked to, you know, that's and, and that's a hunter at least, and it's just kind of good getting a different perspective because we all complain about you know like our jobs and our schedules and travel and whatever this that and the other, and uh, I, I suppose. It's it's got to be even like double frustrating for someone like you, um, although you're doing a job you love, you know, it, it you also don't have quite maybe like the freedom that, that like a civilian might have, um, especially like you said, if you guys are doing like kind of workups and stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, I, you know, just like anything else, like you said, there's 
there's pluses and minuses. Uh, like my buddy Chris that I was talking about, you know, mm-hmm. he might work night shifts or you know do something do something crazy. So everybody's got their their sacrifices they got to make. So I don't I don't think uh, being in the military is any more burdensome in that respect. Right. But it's just it adds a different mix. I think the biggest difference is the fact that you got to pick up and move every couple of years, and that's that makes it challenging in itself. Yeah. Okay. So. Um you're you're out there right now have you so we of course we can talk about deer we can talk about deer all, all day long but what about what about seek a deer has that ever kind of like come across your radar in, in maryland over there are you um you know those they're on like i think the seek a deer are on like a certain couple like what islands or swamp islands or whatever in in maryland and uh you, you know which ones i'm talking about they, they, they kind of look like a little mini mini stags almost yeah, absolutely. They they're some cool little creatures. Um, they uh, they're almost like mini elk for the people who haven't hunted them. They bugle and everything, um, which is really really cool. Uh, and I I am mostly obsessed with whitetails, but yeah, I've been seeking hunting a couple times, and they're on the eastern shore. They occupy most of that like swampy territory, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I've been on a couple hunts, and my buddy and I actually had one. Was that last year or the year before? that uh came right between us and was like bugling his head off which was really cool but no um, kidding. yeah i've been a few times there the meat is really good i've had some of the sika meat uh super tender uh just very good but uh mostly i focus on the whitetails but yes sikas are a super cool little critter yeah they're really neat i mean it's like people if i'm sure people people know about it but if you don't know what we're talking about go look it up and it's not sitka people always say they're wrong this business it's not sitka deer it's sika you know sitka deer is different but sika s-i-k-a and they're like little mini mini elk little mini like european stags almost and uh yeah they're just they're 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 concentrated in this one little part of maryland and they pretty much live from what i've seen on any like meat eater episode or whatever they pretty much like live in like knee deep swamp <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it, it's it's yeah, it's hellacious trying to get to them and, and, and trying to hunt them, apparently, you know, but it, it'd still be a cool, cool critter to, you know, just say you, you chased at least, you know, and I guess the tags aren't that hard to get for them, are they? No, so you can buy a Maryland non-resident tag or if you're a resident, resident, obviously, uh, and it comes, I, I don't know, I think it's like two or three that come with the tag that you buy. Yeah. So Maryland's bag limits are awesome. I think right now you can get 15 does and three Whoa. bucks on one tag and that doesn't there's a lot of federal land and, and different areas that have different quotas so you can shoot a lot more bucks than that um but for a non-resident tag 150 bucks that's that's like a pretty good deal especially if you're right but yeah my uh to the Sika point my buddy sam gerhardt uh he actually lives on the eastern shore now he loves Sika hunting and he has one of those like shallow draft boats with a mud motor have you ever heard of one of those i i have yep yeah, so he's got one of those mud motors where it just has a shaft that you can like essentially stick down into a couple inches of water and mud mm-hmm. and just propel that thing through. So he's obsessed with it, and that, that's what he does. I will tell you, do not go seek hunting in September unless there's a stiff breeze because the mosquitoes in that marsh are hellacious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do too good in that. <laughs> I'd, 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 cry. I'd, I'd turn away crying. That's bad. Definitely. So, um, so then Virginia too, are you, are you, um, 
are, are you hunting in Virginia quite a bit then, or uh, like where, where do you normally concert? Like let's like this year for example, you said you, you were you were still hunting in Maryland like tonight. Today you were in a stand, but I do kind of cross over into Virginia too. Yeah, so I'm I'm in Northern Virginia right now, so it's super easy to border hop. And Maryland oh. opens uh, September seventh, and then Virginia opens October seventh through eleventh. Don't quote me on that, but it's it Virginia usually opens a month later, so I usually get my jollies. <laughs> Up in Maryland, I just can't wait, and I know it's only a couple right. hours, so I usually get that Maryland tag just so I can jump across and hunt. But yeah, so this this year I'll probably all September I'm focusing here up uh, up in Maryland, and then as soon as the season opens here in Virginia, I've been pretty much scouting all year for this area. As soon as I knew um, I was going to get stationed in Quantico, which I moved up here in August, uh, and I knew that I was going to get stationed here back in like January. So I started driving up two hours from where I was before to scout almost every weekend. You can ask my fiance because I was <laughs> I was dragging her all over the place uh, and we were scouting a bunch of different public land areas up here. So I feel pretty set and I'm, I'm actually really excited for this season. That's you know, that's awesome. I, I didn't get to do any any scouting um, other than if you if you want to call scouting like in turkey season back in May around here. So um, which is, you know. I've, I've got some good spots. It's just a matter of like being able to get to them and having the time to get to them. I'm actually going out tomorrow morning. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to, but I'm, I'm going to go out tomorrow morning. So I got everything set and packed. And so now my question is I'm sitting there, I'm still undecided. Like, do I go, I have like three places that I, that I can, you know, like quote unquote easily get to kind of not, not easily meaning like in, in the time that I have in the morning, right. That I can get to. And I'm like, okay, now I didn't think I was going to be able to go. Now I'm able to go. Now I don't know where I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, all the stuff's in my trunk right now, ready to go. But I, I'm not sure which, which direction I'm going to head in the morning. Oh man, that, that chess game is the worst. And the, like, especially if you got multiple spots when you pull up to a parking lot and you're like testing the wind and trying to figure it out yeah man a lot of a lot of mental anguish spent trying to figure out where to go yeah i mean i all all three of these spots and i have more spots but all three of these spots can all of them can pan out you know or, or not pan out and you just know you're like man if i'm in one you know there's just something walking by in the tree that you would have been in like you know at the other spot you were going to do that's just that's just the, the mental gymnastics your, your 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 mind makes but that's that that's part of the fun i guess you know that's part of the, the the giddiness of the of the chess game especially if you don't have that many days to hunt you're like man i really need to make every one of these count you know which one's going to be my best best chances and you're thinking like okay well last time i was actually in that tree that was back in like the December and there was no foliage how's the foliage going to be is this going to be good you know so i'm still kind of wrangling that in my head right now but you know that, that's that's the fun part yeah it is tough and it's easy to get from one who has done this many times it's easy to get wrapped around the axle on stuff like that and then be very disappointed when things don't pan out and i think part right. of like maturing as a hunter and you know mo most of the old guys you see they're just kind of like at peace with whatever is going on uh and some people mistake that for like a lackadaisical sense of for hunting or something like that but i the more seasons i hunt i just kind of feel like you become more at peace with your decisions and then just with spending time in the woods as like mm -hmm. being the ultimate goal you know what i mean like this evening I was sitting there for like four hours. I got set up at 3.30, sun, you know, last light was until 7.30. And I saw a few squirrels, you know what I mean? Um, 
but just sitting there and like being able to relax and like think about, you know, take advantage of those opportunities, man, you just, you, you really start to get a sense, I think over time of like, this is what's cool. You know, this is what's important. So. Yeah, a- absolutely. And you know, I, well, that's easier to stomach a little bit if you haven't shot anything in two years like me. So, <laughs> or, or if you have shot something in the last two years, but um, yeah, I mean, especially this fast uh, spring for, for Turkey season, I was able to get out a bunch of mornings and man, it's a, you, you know, I don't have to explain it to you. I don't have to explain it to most of the people, you know, that, that'll hear this, but I mean, just that whole morning waking up the, 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 the forest waking up. I mean, I'm not sure whether I like morning hunts better than evening hunts, honestly, because they're both like awesome. But in the morning, it's just, you know, you, you watch, um, I don't know, it, it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I mean, I was walking one day, I, I did like an Instagram thing on it, so it's a story, but it's way gone. But um, I was walking by and it kind of goes through these two kind of uh, flooded marshes, these, these, you know, mini lakes or whatever. And I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm watching all this waterfowl, you know, take off and land. And, you know, there's there's bald eagles like sitting there side by side on on on. on a th- I mean, like full on like, you know, like America, you know, and there's like these beavers that came up. And like literally I was if I squatted down, I came close to the water's edge. I mean, they were like less than 10 feet away from me. They would stand up and kind of stare at me. I mean, and I wasn't I was on my way in to go turkey hunting. And I'm, I just sat there and like stared at these animals for like 10 minutes just like soaking it in going there's so many people right now that are like sleeping or don't want to be out or whatever that just don't get to see this and I, you just you just got to kind of feel how lucky you are to be able to go out and do that you know and just take it for what it is oh yeah 100 percent. and don't get me wrong i love killing things with my bow <laughs> but yeah. if you only look at that time spent as like the time you were having fun, then you'll have a lot of wasted time on your hands at the end of the day. And it sounds like you, you know, you just take a second to look around and see what's going on. You, that all of it can be super enjoyable, which is really fun. Yeah. You walk, you, you walk out with a smile on your face, even, even though you're, you're kind of empty handed. So, um, okay. So I, I kind of want to move it over to, to your equipment a little bit. Um, you were shooting a beautiful bow. Um, want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a Robertson recurve. Uh, it's a Robertson fatal stick. And one, one of the guys I forgot to mention who helped me out along the way when I was really getting started, really took me under his wing, uh, a guy by the name of Dan Mathis who lives in Montana now. And uh, he shot Robertson recurves. And I saw them and I was like, man, those are gorgeous. And I think I kind of, from seeing them and seeing them shoot them and shoot some of his, I was like, wow, these are amazing. So Back in 2012 or 2013, 2013, I had one made uh, and I got it in 2014. I've been shooting it ever since. But uh, like I said, Robertson Fatal Stick, it's 62 inches long, uh, 65 pounds at my draw, 29 inches. Whoa. And um, it's it's awesome. It, I shoot 670 grain arrows and it hurls them, shoots them real fast, which is nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's kind of around ten grains per pound right there. So that's, uh, I mean that's that's a hell of a hell of a log to be lopping, you know. But sixty-five pounds, I, I mean that that hurts just thinking about it. Honestly, <laughs> for me, my my joints just don't like that. But um, yeah, I've I've seen you shoot. You don't seem to have any problem pulling that thing back, you know. It's, but it's pretty stout. Yeah, I, um, I I was just an idiot when I was a kid. Like I, I told you, I got that sixty-pound longbow when I was fifteen. Yeah. I kept shooting that, kept shooting that. I was just too stubborn to quit. And then for my next bow, you know, and this is before a, a lot of information came out, or maybe I just wasn't looking for it. Uh, and I was like, well, I need to step up. It's time to progress to something heavier. Uh, <laughs> and I got 
I got it's probably part of being a Marine, just being an idiot. <laughs> you do know most people are going the other direction now, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I you know I got I got opinions about that, but um yeah, so I stepped up and then honestly, if that's the only bow you shoot, and that's the only bow I shoot is my sixty five pound Robertson, it feels, you know, that's it just feels like it is what it is. It doesn't it doesn't feel heavy to me, it doesn't feel uh, weird or, or that I'm overboat or anything like that. It's probably just from shooting it. Cause, cause you don't have anything else to compare it to is what you're saying. So that's just feels, it is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually, I lied cause last week my buddy Chris let me borrow his ILF bow. That's like 45 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I shot it for like six hours before I even knew what was happening. And I was like, Whoa, that was like pretty entertaining. And then I picked up my bow and it felt so heavy so like, all right, until, you know, like I need to get a few more months of the hunting season in before I pick that other bow up again. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so, so you like the heavy, are you, are you for, well, I mean, you obviously love this bow, but I mean, if you were to get another one, would you, would you go down in poundage or are you still, you still liking, you still liking what you, you know, the heavy, like the feel of it? Yeah. I mean, as long as, I, I've, I haven't had any shoulder problems. Um, I, you know, I haven't really felt anything like that. I, I love being able to shoot a heavy arrow really yeah. fast. And there's obvious benefits to that. Uh, I think nowadays most people are trending towards the lighter bows, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and as long as their arrow setups are efficient, yeah. uh, there's also nothing wrong with if you can pull you know, heavier weight and shoot a really heavy arrow and a really sharp broadhead, you're probably gonna have even better results. And dude, uh, I, w- I would love to be at like 50 pound and um, shooting like a 700 grain arrow or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, the one I'm going out with tomorrow, this grizzly, it's like 42 pounds and it's like a 560 grain arrow. You know, I like being around that 13 grains per pound. I just, I just like that trajectory. If it's too flat for me, um, I end up having like too much of a gap, even though I don't like consciously gap, you know, so I've, I've kind of liked that, you know, 20 and under. And after that, it just like, it falls off like a rock, you know what I mean? But I don't care past 18 or 20 yards. I, it's, it's, it might as well be, you know, two miles, you know. What's your, do you shoot instinctive or, or what do you do? Well, I'm kind of like gap instinctive, right? That feels good sight yeah. picture overall kind of thing. I can't actually like do like, okay, I'm X many inches down from where I want to hit. I can't do that. Right. But my sight picture has to like my point, my brain has to look at it and be like, okay, the points where it should be. And I'm, you know, I'm looking in, enough down the arrow to make sure I'm not like the arrow's not all cocked to one, you know, the back of the arrow. So I'm shooting, you know, off to one side, you know, and it, it's convincing itself that, yep, I'm in a straight line and everything looks good. And it's kind of floating, you know, at like the six o'clock hold kind of thing a little bit. And, and that's, that's when I let go, you know, it feels good to me, but it's not an actual, actual gap. Yeah. I think, you know, some people pay more attention to gap and not, uh, and still say they're instinctive or, or whatever. But yeah, I, I think most people that are instinctive, they have, they have to see the gap. And I feel like I'm, I'm more like you, uh, where I don't, and I, you know, I was never taught cause I had, I had no idea. I, I just got that bow when I was 10 years old and my dad didn't tell me how to shoot it. He had no idea how to shoot it. But I think even at that age, I started just correlating a sight picture to, you know, that feels good. Now it's time to execute a good shot. And I've just kind of carried that all the way through once I, I kind of do that out to 30 yards ish. And then I, I know what my 
35 yard hold is a little bit. And then I know that at 40 yards, I'm point on with, with which the 670 grain arrow is pretty good. Oh yeah, absolutely. My, my, my point on is like 25 yards, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it, cause it's just, you know, it's not, it's not going, I mean, they, they're going, that arrow is going 144 feet per second out of this, out of this bow. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and it's actually going, um, I have, I have a 59 Kodiak too. That's like 38 pounds and it shoots the exact same weight arrow at the exact same speed, which uh, like four pounds less, which is like a super efficient, you know, limbs on that thing. It's amazing. But, um, you know, I was, I was, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, if you, I think they were trying to say, how are you aiming or whatever? And I should, should I be aiming? And I said, look, I'm not, I'm not a coach by any means, but I'll tell you what worked for me. And for me, I think if you, if you start with some sort of dedicated aiming system, whether it's gapping or, or, you know, sight pins or whatever. And after like thousands of shots, your brain is going to get that sight. As long as you stick with that bow and stick with the arrow weight and all that stuff, your, your brain's going to get this, the sight picture and the flight and the trajectory and all that stuff. And then pretty soon, you know, you're going to be like all of a sudden, like, okay, I'm not actually like physically aiming. Maybe you are if, you, if you're like a target archer. I'm not talking about that. But if you're just kind of flinging arrows at, at a, you know, in the backyard or, you know, if you're hunting situation or something like that, then all of a sudden, like your brain kind of, you're, you're, you're gapping, but you don't know that you're consciously gapping. And it just kind of all clicks and then you kind of meld into this feels good sight picture kind of method, which is kind of where I ended up, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last last week, one of my compound buddies, I let him shoot my recurve. He was like, "So, uh, you know, there, you have, you got like notches on here? What are you aiming with?" <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, you just don't. You just feel it, you know." Which sounds really stupid to somebody who hasn't <laughs> hasn't shot a bow or you know a recurve at all. Yeah. Um, his first arrow, he like launched into the plywood that was like holding the target, like you know, like six feet above the target <laughs> oh yeah i've been there yeah and then and then he was able to like dial it down and honestly you know after like 20 minutes he started to get a feel for it and at least understood what i was talking about but yeah 100 percent. you know it's just repetition and getting used to that sight picture yeah it, it takes so long i I've, I've recounted the story before but i was at like a local art my local archery range indoor rangers like literally like three minutes down the road and um you know i was i was there shooting and i'm shooting i was pretty decent that day like like softball groups maybe at you know 20 yards or whatever and you know a guy came in he brought his buddy in his buddy um had, had had never shot before and he was interested in getting you know into archery or whatever so uh they pulled down a compound bow one of like the demo bows or whatever i don't even know what it was but uh, you know kind of one of the ready to shoot uh deals or one of the trade-ins or something like that and within 20 minutes the guy was shooting the same size groups that it took me like three years to shoot with a trad bow you know <laughs> so i'm like man you know like people say it's it's not it, you know it's a whole lot easier it, it is a whole lot easier now to get from uh th there's so much more that goes on with that though even with the compound right i mean you've got you've got the tuning aspect of it you've got uh you know tr trying to get better trying to hit little x's and whatever but it's just i i don't know if i felt like frustrated or like happy that that i can do something you know that a compound guy can do but i mean it just took him like 20 minutes to do and it took me like you know thousands and thousands of shots to do you know yeah, it's um, it's like it's a funny passion we have because yeah, I mean everything. If you wanted to be a more efficient hunter, if you wanted to kill deer more often or turkeys or whatever it is you're after, like why not just pick up a compound? Why not, you know, have a 
magnified sight with whatever back tension release and like all kinds of stuff. Uh, and the thing, honestly, sometimes I don't know why, <laughs> but, um, I think the thing I just keep coming back to is that, uh, and I think the reason traditional archery is such a, a powerful sport and something, I mean, it's timeless, you know what I mean? People have been yeah. shooting bows forever. Uh, and even in this modern age, like why are people still shooting bows? And I think it's more of like, a just the, at least for me, it's like the mental challenge of you're not really mastering that bow as much as you're mastering yourself and you're mastering a challenge that at, at first, like when you pick it up first, it's so seemingly insurmountable and then be able to hone that into an archery skill and then to hone that with your bow hunting skill or just your hunting skill mm-hmm. and meld the two together and pull something off. It's just amazing. And uh, I think that just the absolute challenge of that is what makes it so much fun. And the reason we choose to pick up this bent stick, you know, instead of these awesome weapons that they're producing, like compound bows. Yeah. I was, uh, do you know who uh, Greg Krause is? Do you follow him at all? No. On, uh, uh, he, he's on in various forums or whatever. You, 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 I'm sure you'll, you'd recognize if you see him or whatever. Anyway, I, I had him on the, the other night. Um, and uh, he and I were talking the other day. And, and, he, sh- and he shoots... You know, he still has his compound. He shoots both, um, but he's like, you know, like me, like like 99% like traditional. His heart's you know, there kind of thing. And we were having a conversation like I've still got my, my 2011 like compound, right? It's just sitting downstairs. I was going to sell it and then my buddy was going to buy it, kind of backed out. So I didn't sell it. And then I'm like, you know, the, the conversation we were having is it's like, okay, when I get to go and when I talked to him just a few days ago, I, I wasn't going to go out tomorrow morning, right? I'm like, dude, I don't think I'm going to go out for like another like five weeks at this rate. And I still can't tell you what I'm going to carry. Because again, going back to, um, you know, go, going back to, you want to make the most out of the, the few days or whatever that you're out there. And I'm like, man, you know, I, I, I still, I, I don't get any joy shooting my compound, just, you know, like target anymore, like a quiver full every once or twice a year. And I'm good. I'll put it down. But my Tradwell, I can shoot like all day long. Um, but, but hunting, you know, it's this little more efficient weapon and, you know, you, you're kind of like torn, like, you know, you, you still want to carry it sometimes and sometimes you don't, but I can tell you when I was getting ready to pack up all my stuff tonight, it didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to like, to even think about reaching for the compound tonight. And it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where like the bow kind of speaks to you. It was more between like, am I going to take the grizzly or am I going to take the Kodiak? You know, and I decided on the on, on on the grizzly, and it's already in the car, you know, ready to go for me, kind of thing. So, I still, I, I don't think I'm gonna get get rid of it, even though I posted on Instagram. You know, I don't I'm sound like a hypocrite, like, oh, I'm gonna sell it, it's gone, whatever. I, I, and I, I've got I, I've got too much sentimental value in it because yeah. I've, I've built it, you know. But um, and and who's no one else say you know I can't say I'll I'll never go hunting with it, but you know it's still nice to pick off a squirrel at 30 yards with the thing, you know. So. Yeah, just tell them the market for compounds took a downturn, so you'll hold on to it for a couple more years, you know? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll just fess up to it and be like, oh, I'm, I'm doing a 180, guys. Sorry. I'm not <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I, I don't have a desire to, to hang out there, at least tomorrow morning I don't, with with, with my compound. And if it, if it happens to be, 
um, especially since it's early season, right? Because you're like, man, because in early season, of course, you got a whole lot more foliage. You have a lot less shooting lanes. And I don't know what the tree is going to look like right now when I when I go there. And maybe I'm going to wish when I get up there, it'll be I'm going to wish like, well, shit, I I have like a, you know, a softball size like hole to shoot through. And, you know, it's going to be a lot more better if, if I had brought my compound out here to do this with. But I'm just going to kind of live with my uh, my, 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 my decision because I'd rather carry the stick in my hand and kind of, you know, stare at that all all sit long instead of instead of the you know compound bow so you know um okay so one last thing i want to talk to you about is um you you, you've gotten into saddle hunting now is that something that's like kind of new to you this year last year how long you've been doing that so i i found out about saddle thing from john everhart's books i don't know if you've ever picked one of them up Uh, i've listened to john everhart but i've never picked up his books no yeah, so before he was doing podcasts or, or videos or anything like that, his books have been out for a long time. And I think uh, back in like 2011, 2012, when I was first getting into hunting, that was one of the books that I picked up. Um, and it was Precision Bow Hunting. And I read that book, and then I read Hunting the Eberhart Way probably in like 2013. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I had that clunky gorilla stand that I was telling you about. <laughs> yeah. Anything other than that was an improvement. And uh, so 2015, I bought a saddle, and uh, and I've pretty much been hunting exclusively out of one ever since. But I, I got the Arrow Hunter Evolution, which is kind of a kind of a big saddle compared to the ones they have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, man, if John Eberhart, who's got over 50 Pope and Young whitetails, says this is the best best way to hunt whitetails, this is probably the best way to hunt whitetails. So I, I picked one of those up, and uh, I've been hunting with one for, I guess this should be my fifth season now. Yeah, okay, I, I didn't know that you've been hunting out of one for that long, you know, because like I said, I've been, because how long have you been doing your channel? I started that, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago, two years ago. Okay. Yeah, I guess for some reason in my mind, I equated the two, which I don't know why I did that, you know. <laughs> it's not like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden on this date, you know, he starts hunting with this thing. So so you've got quite a bit of experience with with the saddle then. Have you um, – you said almost exclusively, have you, done, have you gone and hunted out of any, like, actual tree stands or, like, some of the lighter, like, lone wolf kind of stuff to, to be able to compare it to? Because the, the old gorilla stands, the clunky, they're not really that running gun – you know, but, you know, like a lightweight, like a lone wolf kind of thing is, is a pretty run and gun setup, you know, even compared comparatively. So have you done any hunt, hunting out of those? Yeah. So I guess uh, I, I hunted out of that gorilla one for a few years. And then I had a I bought a lone wolf assault hang on mm-hmm. hang on stand. And I had climbing sticks from my other hang on stand. So I just stuck with a, another hang on stand. And it, it is pretty light and it is not bad. Uh, and actually, I usually when I take my girlfriend or excuse me, my fiance, I got to <laughs> correct him. So that just happened recently. Is uh, she the one in the videos, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's yeah. The videos. Um, I started taking her hunting and she just hasn't spent that much time in a saddle. And it's tough to do a two person set in one tree with the saddle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been bringing that hang on stand and hanging it with her. Uh, and, and it, it is pretty light, uh, but you know, I guess the stand itself, I don't know, is maybe like eight pounds or something like that. Yeah. And, and the sticks are each two pounds. So that it adds another eight pounds if you're taking four. 
Um, so that adds up and then not necessarily just the weight, but the bulk of it, uh, when you're just like trying to pull through brush and your stands getting hung on stuff. Uh, and the fact that your hunting platform is entirely metal or aluminum or whatever it is. So any, any little other piece of metal like carabiner or whatever that touches it is going to make very loud noise. And I, I have found, especially even with bringing that stand around to have her hunt out of while I'm hunting, it just makes more noise in general. And it's, I'm not saying the saddle is a hundred percent solution for everything. Cause it's not anytime you have like a thick tree, like a cypress tree or something like that, a hang on is a hundred percent hands down better. And if somebody's like new to hunting and, or hasn't saddle hunted for a while and gotten used to it, I would definitely recommend just going with a hang on or something like that. Because I think saddles are comfortable because I've, sat in a saddle for five years but i didn't think they were comfortable initially and i definitely think there's like a break-in period that goes on with that so i I, certainly a learning period too of of just kind of just logistically how everything goes not even just like in the tree but like getting up the tree and setting at the base of the tree and you got way more ropes and 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 carabiners and things like that 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 you just don't have with 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 a tree stand but once you get it all once you get it all kind of squared away you know, it, it takes a while, right? Yeah. And there's like a, it's almost like a trust factor because you're leaning back into your tether. You have to feel comfortable with that. Uh, you got to get comfortable with moving around the tree. Mm-hmm. And I've shot, man, I've, I've shot a lot of deer out of my saddle now. And it's, you know, now it just feels like second nature. I can swing around the tree and do this and that. And I, I keep my movements to a minimum and know when to move, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I think um, for the reason that I mentioned before, which is the bulk, the noise, that kind of thing, that's that's most of the reason I hunt out of saddle. But I have that hang on, and I don't rule it out if I need to. You mm-hmm. know, I use it for certain setups. What what are you using for a platform? Uh, so for a, a long time, the first I guess like three or four years, I used just screw in steps as my as my platform. So I bring mm-hmm. three or four screw in steps and put those around the tree every time I climbed. Uh, and then I ha- I would have some preset ones. Uh, I usually, I try to get private by permission in places that I go. So I had a few private by, or, uh, uh yeah, private, uh, permission spots that I had access to. So I'd do presets with those screwing steps. Yeah. Um, I have right now I have the squirrel steps, which I really yeah. like because yep. I'm just, I'm so used to the screwing steps because I did that for the first three or four years saddle hunting. Uh, I also have a predator platform and it, it is really comfortable. And I put one of the squirrel steps to the left of the bracket so I can step out onto it and get around for bigger trees. That, that's kind of where I was. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because um, that, that's kind of where my, um, uh, I guess, issues with it were, were, were last year. Not, not, the, not the predator platform, but I'm hunting off of that uh, um, the, the artisan outdoor uh, fabrications one, right? Which is it, it bolts to the top of your of your stick, and um, the problem I found is you know it was kind of hard to push around the back side of the tree or the off side of the tree because you you just didn't have the foot room to be able to to kind of put your feet apart and push off you know one side or the other. And what I did, I'm going to try this out tomorrow, actually, because what I did is I actually flipped that around. So instead of going toward the tree, it kind of comes away from the tree. So I can actually get a foot on the back side of it where, you know, like between the the, um, the platform and the tree. I'm, I'm going to try that. I, uh, I, I briefly had the... 
the Predator, and I and I did like a video with it, and I, I kind of practiced with it a little bit, but then I just sold it because I'm like, okay, well, this isn't really giving me, um, and, and nothing against the Predator, but it wasn't giving me any more than, um, or it wasn't solving my problem, you know, to be able to shoot kind of kind of push off of one so now there's all these other like smaller platforms where they kind of have a stand they kind of stand off away from the tree a little bit and you can kind of you know go off to the side and it, it i'm really curious to see what where the the whole platform uh game goes to you know what i mean yeah 100 and uh i i got that platform last year and i used it a little bit but exactly like you said i i felt very limited in a bigger tree or if i was trying to reach around and shoot mm-hmm. Uh, I actually shot a deer January 2nd of this year out of that predator platform. And I usually try to set up with the tree in between myself and the trail or whatever it is. So I yeah. like to lean out to, I guess, like the 12 o'clock position and shoot. Mm-hmm. And I've been running my steps, which is easy for because I could just step to the left or step around and then take the shot. And I went to shoot this thing and it was like pretty cold. And I'm pulling that 65 pounds. And I like could not, couldn't get in a good place with my feet to shoot at it. Yeah. So I had to like lean, you know, kick off to the side and like lean out. And I almost like pulled my shoulder out of joint. Oh, jeez. Uh, but I, I got, I shot him right through the heart and he ran like 30 yards. But I was like, dang, I need to do something. So I, I put that step to the left of it and I was, mm-hmm. you know, testing that out this year it seemed a lot better just to be able yeah to- if there was one st- exactly like you just said if, if 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 something was out there that without having to carry something extra that just kind of came maybe like 90 degrees away almost even from your 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 main platform you know what i mean just to be able to step one side or the other and then right. just kind of have that little extra like foothold for one of your feet that would that would be like great you know maybe maybe, maybe we should invent something to come up with that and <laughs> market it yeah, no. So if you you just buy one squirrel step and thread it onto the strap for the Predator platform, that seems to be a great solution, and that's what I'm working with right now. Ah, yeah, never thought of that. Um, so for so you got a 62 inch bow, by the way. Sorry, I'm making a little hard pivot on there, but we're kind of talking about shooting. Um, what do you find is the hardest as far as clearance wise? Do you find like top limb clearance, bottom limb clearance? Are you um, clearance from your tether or clearance from the tree? What, what, what kind of hold, what kind of, um, that holds you up, but what do you have to be more cognizant of when you're, when you're trying to shoot? Uh, honestly, the most restricted I feel is if the, if the deer comes in really close to you mm-hmm. and you have to like really bend at the waist and draw down, sometimes my, the lower part of my string will hit my leg. That's my problem. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and then you just got to like really double over at the waist. And what was it? Two years ago, I shot a, a really weird looking buck. He's like 27 inches wide. He was really old buck, but he, and I was on steps at the time, not the, uh, not the platform, but he was working feeding acorns. Didn't give me a shot, came right up to my tree and looked at my climbing stick and stepped to like smell it. <laughs> I was like, dude, I better shoot him right now, you know. So, I like, I just canted over so hard at from my waist down because I started pulling back and my string hit my leg. So I had to like just completely double over at the waist, and I shot him straight down, uh, and it actually cut through like the thickest part of his rib, went through his sternum, and stuck in the ground, and he ran wow. like 
parts. But um, but yeah, the the lower string hitting my leg on the close shots, that's usually my biggest hangup. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I found when I was when I was I mean I didn't get any shots off, but that's what when I was practicing or if I'm uh, shooting like a judo point or something like that to to kind of practice with you know once I get up or once I'm coming down, um, that was that was kind of my issue was 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 that was that string, and I would have. Um, in some, if I was twisted around the tree in in some situations, and if I canted the, you know, I couldn't cant the bow as much as I wanted to, it would be upper limb clearance that would uh, be be closer to the tree than I would like. You know, it's not the bottom limb that, that was the problem. It was the upper one because, uh, you know, let's say if, because um, I'm, a, I'm a right-handed shooter, so I'm holding the bow in my left hand. So it's canted a little bit to like, let's say, 1 o'clock, one thirty position. And if I'm trying to get around the, let's say, like the left side, if I'm facing the tree and I'm trying to, you know, get around to the left side and shoot, you know, forward like that, then your your limb tip is pretty much like coming, you know, close to the, to the tree trunk. And... Um, of course, some of that's you know alleviated with you know how far away from the tree you are, with how much how uh, how much lean you know you have on your tether kind of thing. But it's just it's just kind of trial and error, you know. You you shoot with a cant, or are you pretty vertical? Uh, with a cant. Cant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I I do both. If I if I'm like standing on the ground shooting, I shoot with like a little bit of a cant. Yeah. I, I'll also practice just shooting straight vertical for for the exact reason that you mentioned. Because yeah, that. That tree trunk's there and it's not going anywhere. So mm-hmm. you, got, you got to shoot a vertical bow a little bit. And the last thing I want to do is smack that thing with my limb, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ruin a perfectly good bow, you know. So oh, that'd be devastating. Yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It's but but it's fun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out tomorrow morning and uh, kind of like I said, try out the new the new uh, redesign of, of of the platform. You know, see if I can't uh, uh, get that a little more. Uh, you know, a little more comfortable for me to be able to kind of move around a little bit more to get some more shot angles. And, you know, um, I'm just, I'm just going to see, I just got to figure out where the hell I'm going to go now. So. And what state are you in right now? Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Nice. It's gotta be pretty cool up there, right? It, uh, it's tonight's going to be like, like high fifties or low sixties or something like that. It, uh, it cooled down and then we kind of had like a kind of a hot day. Then it kind of cooled down. I mean, cool, not really cool, but, um, you know, front came through, but yeah, it's supposed to be in the, you know, mid sixties or whatever, uh, or low seventies tomorrow during the day. But in the, you know, overnight it's supposed to be, um, I think it was like 60 something, 60, 61, something like that. So, you know, not too bad, but gotcha. What's your, yeah. Are they I'm just out there. Or? I don't know. I yeah. have not set foot in the woods. That's that's the other thing is I don't know what trees are dropping. Um, I don't know. Uh, you, you know, and we've got a ton of oaks out here, right? And that's and that's that's fine. But you know, of course, they don't always drop every year. And I'm, you know, tomorrow morning, I'm just going to find out. I'm just going to see what's, what's hot, what's not, you know, in the place I go, uh, whatever I pick, I'm just going to kind of look around and, and and just, you know. I, I'm going to be committed one way or another, but uh, it, it's I'm not going to know until I actually get up there and uh, you know turn on a flashlight or till the sun comes up. So I hear you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've been going about an hour here, and I'm probably going to have to go pretty soon here so I can uh, pick up my wife from the airport. So is there uh, is there anything else that, that you wanted to cover that we, that we haven't touched on here? Um, I no, I, I think we pretty much hit everything. Um. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say what you were talking about, your story there. Uh, I, I wonder, you know, what type of oaks you have in your area. It's, it's fun doing what I do, moving around every couple of years. And one of the, the coolest parts of putting like the jigsaw together is finding out like in that local area, what is the hottest thing that deer get into? You know, it obviously changes throughout the year. Right. Learning, you know, like white oaks, red oaks. But then there's also like willow oaks, water oaks, chestnut oaks black deck oaks you know there's there's so much stuff out there and i think that that to me is like the most fun part and you've probably seen on my instagram just like i love scouting all the time yeah yeah i I think that's like the most fun part for me is just like trying to figure out what's going on uh and then obviously having that come together during a hunt yeah i like trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together i mean we've obviously the white oaks are you know the most you know as far as like early season, most prevalent, we got a ton of, you know, white and red, but we do have, uh, some pin oaks, um, which kind of have like, uh, kind of rounded lobes as well. I, I don't know what they do as far as, uh, uh, you know, acorns or anything like that, or, you know, where, where they fit in the, um, you know, the, the, the deliciousness factor for the, for the deer, you know, and um, what they attract. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, I said crack one open and try it. You know, I might do that. I might do that if, if the, you know, if the thing is, uh, cause I, I was sitting in one, um, and of course, but it was late season last year. I was sitting in one. So there was, there was nothing to, you know, and it didn't look like it, it had dropped anything that year. So, um, but it's, you know, we, we have, we have so many little swamps here, so much, you know, marshland here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the areas that I've been trying to concentrate, you know, tr- trying to get close to, um, you know, trying to catch something coming in and out of, you know, like the really thick, you know, marsh basically, cause they can just sit there and disappear all day, you know? Yeah. 100%. And they've got so much to eat too. Like for me, for at least where I hunt and all the public that I hunt, it's not ag and it's not really close to a lot of ag, you know, it's a couple places is, but it's not really close to ag where it's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for them to, you know, c- come out of the fields, you know, um, I just, that, that just doesn't work for me. So I basically have to be, you know, near the marsh and, um, you know, c- kind of travel routes at, you know, e- either to or from bedding kind of thing. So, and that's, and that's been, that's been a lot of fun. I, I, I've learned a lot in the last few years in the, in the areas that I hunt, you know, but uh, unfortunately, so have a lot of other people. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, see that, that, that's why early season's important, you know, like hopefully some of these guys, um, you know, won't, uh, won't have gone out. Like last year, there's this one tree that I'm thinking of going sitting in, you know, uh, late season, you know, apparently he thought it was his tree and he left his, uh, you know, uh, uh, screw in steps, which you're not allowed to use on public land here. He left his, uh, uh, stand up there, which you're not allowed to leave in there, you know? And I went in one day, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I was in my saddle. I'm like, I'm hunting this. He's not here, you know, and I've seen deer, you know, come, you know, through there or whatever. Uh, but I mean, it, it's just kind of, you know, no matter where you go here, it seems like, um, you know, guys have figured out coming in kind of like, like back access as far as like, uh, getting in by boat or getting in through another property or going in deep, you know, there's, there's really no such thing as out walking another hunter anymore out here. Cause uh, like I, I've gone in, you know, a mile and three quarter and you look at a tree like, man, that's a perfect tree, perfect setup. And you get, you get close to it and there's like a stand already sitting in there, you know? So guess what? You know, other people have figured it out too. So, you know, you got to use the other, the, the other hunters, uh, as, as kind of, you know, picks for you too, you know? 
Yeah, I was going to say, when you're hunting public land, you're almost not hunting the deer. You're just trying to outthink the other hunters. Yeah, and then you got to figure out, so yeah, so then you got to figure out not only when was the deer here last and when were they moving here last and when, how fresh is the sign, then you got to be like, okay, when was this hunter here last, how fresh is this sign, how fresh is the scent, you know, it's, it gets, it gets a little frustrating, but I guess it's all part of the game, you know? Sure, yeah, part yeah. of the game. All right, man, so why don't you tell everybody um, where everyone, everyone can find you? Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, if you don't mind, I was just going to give one more shout out to sure. the, are you a professional bow hunter? Still, I remember? I, you know, I'm not. And I'm, I, I, I don't know why the hell I'm not because, um, every, every, everything, everything I see and read and, and hear about with, with, with anybody as a member, I absolutely loves it. And I think it's on my list to do this, this, uh, um, this fall here is to actually like join up. And uh, I used to think, and I don't know if this is like the PBS is, uh, you know, not, not so good marketing or whatever. I used to think like you'd have to have like, like a ton of deer and all that stuff to, to join, but that's not the case, right? I mean, you can join as a, was like a, there's two levels of membership. Like anybody can join the lower level of membership, right? Yeah. So just to give it a shout out, it's a PBS professional bonus <clears throat> society. And yeah, you can be an apprentice member, which requires nothing, just like an interest in bow hunting. Uh, and then to be a qualified member, I think it's like eight or 10 big game animals. Um, and then, you know, but that's, that's not what it's centered on. It's just kind of centered around like the professional ethic and mm -hmm. being a responsible individual in the woods. Um, and my, my mentor, Dan Mathis kind of introduced me to it and I just joined, I just became a regular member. Um, after a couple of years, I, you know, when you first get into stuff, you don't, you don't really realize the importance of community, right? Uh, and like, as I've gone on, you're like, Hey, you know, these guys are protecting your seasons. There's also just like so much knowledge, so many, so many people. Uh, and I'm actually filming a series for the PBS right now where I'm going around and interviewing a bunch of different PBS regular members and apprentice members. Um, and it's almost going to be like a whitetail cribs type thing, but for really? members. Yeah. So I've filmed, I think four of them now and I've got two of them edited. I, I got to edit the other two, but it's hunting season. So it's tough right now. So when is this going to come out? So we we'd like to get like five in the in the bag, and then we're going to start releasing them. You know, like once a month or something like that on a yeah. PB on the PBS YouTube channel, hmm. uh, which we're going to start. Uh, but yeah, I just I wanted to give a shout out to that, and then to anyone you know who's getting into bow hunting or wants to learn more about it, I'd go to the professionalbowhuntersociety.org. and um, you can probably go onto their forum and find somebody that's in your area. And they're usually a lot of very experienced people. People are in bow hunting for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, they can help you out, point in the right direction. I know that's who got me started, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 good to know. And then uh, you are on YouTube for your own channel, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, seasons change on YouTube, just one word. And then uh, on Instagram, it's probably easier place to find me military underscore bow hunter uh and there's a link to my youtube channel on there cool awesome man i uh i definitely subscribe i follow you you got you got good stuff out there and i'm super looking forward to this this new project you just talked about that's that's pretty intri in, in, intriguing so um yeah so thanks everybody for listening uh make sure you like share subscribe 
Uh, she has to stay on the, uh, on, on the line with me here uh, after we're done recording here. So um, make sure you go follow on Instagram too, all the, the like the Teespring, like shirt stuff, and then the, and then the Bowling Soul YouTube channel and everything else. It's in the bio. You know, when you see link in bio, just go click in the bio. You'll see it. There's a link. It's called the link tree, and it takes you to all the, the social media stuff. There. That's the best way to get, you know, uh, to, to all the other um, social media stuff. So I appreciate it, and thanks for listening.